Welcome back once again to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners today. And uh, we really do con consider it a tremendous blessing to be able to be with you each day right here on Search the Scriptures and know that so many are listening, wanting to learn more from God's Word, wanting to understand it in more depth and in detail, try to grasp the teachings that God has communicated to us so richly in His Word, try to understand them better and more fully. We're so thankful to have this opportunity, and we don't consider it something that's just for us. We're simply servants of God, and we are here to try to bring Him glory by teaching His Word accurately and effectively. And we really do take that to heart. We take it very seriously, not to just get up and talk about the Bible, not just to get up and talk about scriptures, but to teach those scriptures, to teach God's word accurately and in depth. We want to help you come closer to God. And the best way that we can do that is to teach you his word correctly. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. That's God's word. He told us that. That's the biblical formula for developing faith. A lot of people think that faith is accidental. Now they don't say that, but when you listen to them talk, how it just kind of overcomes them or they get it one day or whatever, it's kind of along those lines, or that it's just bestowed upon them, or they kind of catch it like they would catch the flu or a common cold. You know, they didn't have it a few moments ago, now they caught it, now they've got it. Or maybe they just, God makes them have it, or God bestows it upon them as a gift, and it's totally out of their control. Well, that's not what the scriptures say. None of those things is. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. As we study God's word and we learn it, we understand it, and we believe it and begin to make the proper applications to our lives, that's how faith develops. It makes sense. It's logical. Christianity is logical. We want to help you come closer to God again by teaching you his word accurately and effectively. And we're thankful to hear from so many of you who have expressed your appreciation for how we teach the Bible here on Search the Scriptures. And we pray that God is pleased always and ultimately, bottom line, that he is being glorified. You can receive a copy of today's program or any of the programs in Search the Scriptures for free. We'll put it on CD for you. All you have to do is ask us, contact us. We'll tell you how to contact us at the end of the program today, as we always do. And again, we'll send it to you. We'll take care of the postage. We don't want you to send anything to us. You can also receive a free Bible study. And we have sent these all over the country, literally. And again, it's free. It basic study in the basics of Christianity right from the Bible. We don't charge anything for it. We even take care of the postage both ways. All you have to do is contact us and ask for it. And it is an easy to understand study. And again, right from the scriptures. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. And at the end of the program, jot down that information, how to contact us, and then do it. Contact us. Okay. Let's get back into our study talking about how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. Not just that we feel that we're dedicated 
or claim to be dedicated or think we're dedicated or tell others that we're dedicated, but how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. And as we've emphasized the point, how we dedicate ourselves to God is probably just as important as whether we are dedicated to God because they really go together. Now, we looked at David's example of how he learned this valuable and important lesson going back into 1 Samuel chapter 4 and 1 Samuel chapter 7 and 2 Samuel chapter 6 and 1 Chronicles chapter 15. As David tried to transport the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem to reestablish centralized worship in the nation of Israel, he found that he was doing it in the wrong way. And Uzzah was struck dead. David and apparently the entire tribe of Levi, it would seem, or at least the leadership within that tribe, the religious tribe, uh, the religious leaders of that particular nation at that time, they forgot how God had instructed in the law of Moses, in God's word, how to transport the Ark of the Covenant. And so David tried to transport it in a way that was not authorized by God in Scripture, and a man ended up losing his life as a result. When David went back and he spent a few months doing his homework and he learned his mistake, he corrected it. Now, you know, a whole lot of people, they get proud and arrogant when they find out that they have been mistaken about some particular spiritual matter as taught in the Scriptures, and they refuse to change. They think, well, what, how important is that? It's no big deal. Well, if God's word says it, it's a big deal. If God has given us his will on the matter, it's a big deal. And if we don't like what the scriptures say, we need to take that up with God. Because again, it's his word. So David corrected his mistake and then they were able to transport the Ark of the Covenant safely all the way to Jerusalem. Now we've looked at some areas in which how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. We talked about, first, it is important how we dedicate ourselves to God when it comes to matters of doctrine. That is, the teachings that we believe and that we practice and that we teach to others. It's extremely important to make sure that we've got the doctrine that God has laid out for us in Scripture correct. There are, I, I feel like, I have, know I have had some experience with this talking to a denominational preacher or two in the past, uh, and I get the impression that this is probably a mindset of a whole lot of ministers and, and religious leaders within the denominational realm that somehow doctrine really doesn't matter that much. It's kind of a matter of personal choice. And so different churches teach different doctrines, and that's their own particular personal beliefs, and that everybody else can have their own particular personal beliefs or doctrines, and that that ought to be all right. Well, again, that's not what the scriptures teach. Doctrine simply means teaching. And if we're teaching something other than what God's word teaches, then we're teaching error. We have to make sure that what we believe and what we teach and what we practice 
conforms to what God's word says on the matter. That's God's word. That's his will. And so how we dedicate ourselves to God is important in matters of doctrine. Now, how we dedicate ourselves to God is also important in how we obey God's teachings, particularly when it comes to the plan of salvation. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus issued to the apostles, and of course it is still to us today, what we call the Great Commission. Jesus had already gone to the cross, he had been buried in the tomb, he had arisen from the grave on the third day, and he had appeared to multitudes and multitudes of people risen for 40 days. He, is, he was ready to ascend back to heaven, and he had the 11 apostles before him. Judas had hanged himself. Matthias had not yet been chosen to take Judas's place as an, an apostle. And so he gave them what we call, what we understand as the Great Commission. The commission, the command to go everywhere and spread the gospel, teach the message of the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So Paul tells us that the, power, that the gospel message the gospel of Christ holds the power of God unto salvation if we will believe it and obey it. Now, Jesus told the apostles to go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, he told them specifically, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. Now, we are instructed by Jesus to teach as part of the gospel message of salvation that people need to believe in him, obviously, but acting upon that belief to be baptized into him for the remission of sins in order that their sins can be cleansed or forgiven through the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. That happens at baptism. As Matthew recorded the Great Commission, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. A disciple is a follower. And he's obviously talking about make disciples of people, make them disciples of me, followers of Jesus. So he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now just as Mark recorded it, go into all the world. Go everywhere, to everybody. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is part of making disciples of them. Without doing that, they're not going to be a true disciple or follower of Christ. And then he goes on and says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age or the world. Amen. So we're to teach the words of Christ. We're to teach his teachings. We're to teach God's word completely. We're to, we're to understand it and obey it. 
in its fullness. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. We are instructed to be baptized in order to be saved. Now, obviously, that baptism is an act of obedience on our part in response to our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and our belief that we must follow his commandments. This is one of his commandments. He commanded the apostles to teach that those who believe and are baptized shall be saved. Those who do not believe will be condemned. In John chapter 3, when we find Jesus earlier in his public ministry on this earth, he is speaking to a man named Nicodemus. And he tells him in John chapter 3 and verse 3, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus responds in verse 4 and says, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, Nicodemus was thinking about physical birth. In verse 5, Jesus says, and he clarifies, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is talking about a spiritual rebirth here. Except one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, that blends perfectly with what he told the apostles to do in the Great Commission. To go to everyone, everywhere, and preach the gospel, and he who believes and is baptized, buried in the water, shall be saved. And he who does not believe shall be condemned. Now, what he told Nicodemus, again, fits perfectly with what the Apostle Paul later wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. When Paul said, and, and he's writing to people who have already believed and been baptized, he says in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. Old things have passed away. He is a new creation. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus? Except a man be born again. Except a man be born of the water and the spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Be born again, become a new creation. Be reborn spiritually. And Peter wrote about this. And Peter gives us a little more light, perhaps, as to what Jesus was talking about. In 1 Peter chapter 1, although I don't think it's difficult at all to understand if we just simply follow what the scriptures say but people have made it more complicated than it is. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, now purified your souls, been made clean, been reborn, become a new creation. See, it all fits together, all these different texts. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, 
through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, Peter goes on to say, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. God's word teaches us how to be born again. Jesus told the apostles, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 47, Luke records the Great Commission in a very succinct form. Jesus said, and Luke wrote, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name, that is, in the name of Christ, to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now, as Jesus finishes giving the Great Commission and speaking to the apostles, giving them some, some final instructions, he ascends back to heaven. He's already been to the cross. He's already been put in the tomb. He's already risen from the grave. He's already appeared to multitudes and multitudes of individuals over a period of 40 days. And so he gives the apostles these final instructions, including the Great Commission, and then he ascends back to heaven. Ten days later, the apostles are in Jerusalem, and that is the day of Pentecost. There are Jews gathered from all the nations under heaven, Acts chapter 2 says. And Peter and the other apostles begin to teach them the gospel of Christ. Peter's words are highlighted in that second chapter. And he talks to them about how they have been guilty of turning away from, rejecting, disbelieving in the Son of God, their Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, and how they had been guilty of having him crucified. And as he goes through his sermon, in verse 36 of Acts chapter 2, he says, let, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. The fact that they had had him crucified did not change the identity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it did not change his mission and it did not change the fact that he is our Savior, our only Savior. Now verse 37 gives us their response or at least the response of many of them. They asked, what shall we do? And Peter responded very directly and very clearly Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Later, the Apostle Paul recounts what Ananias, a Christian man who had been sent to teach him the gospel by the Lord himself, what Ananias had said to him when Saul found himself searching. He said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. My, how clear, how easy to understand. All of these passages teaching the same thing, that we must be baptized in order to be forgiven of our sins and in order to come to salvation in Jesus Christ. In fact, and I don't think anybody would dispute the fact that salvation is only in and through Christ. How then 
do we get in Christ? In Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 3, Paul tells us, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, did you get that? Baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. There Paul portrays the beautiful imagery on a spiritual level of our death to our old life of sin. Remember Jesus told Nicodemus, you've got to be reborn. Remember Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, we become a new creation. Our death to our old life of sinfulness, our burial, you bury somebody who dies, and that's what baptism is, an immersion, a burial in the waters. And then our, our resurrection to a new life, to a new person, reborn in Christ. And that reenacts the literal death on the cross of our Savior, his burial in the tomb, and his resurrection from the grave. All of that portrayed as we're baptized into Christ, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins, and we are resurrected from that grave of water that we call baptism into a new person, a new life, a new creation in Christ. How beautiful it is. We cannot change God's plan of salvation and still be saved, still be right with God. We cannot change what he has instructed us to do to be saved through Jesus Christ, that is to be baptized for the remission of our sins into Christ and then still expect to be forgiven and still expect to be saved. We must be dedicated to God his way. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important in not just what we believe, but also in how we obey God's teachings. Our time's up for today, so we'll stop and park here and come back and study some more about how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. Be sure to tune in, and in just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us. Write that information down, and then do so. Contact us and ask for that free Bible study. It can change your life. And again, it is absolutely free. We'll even take care of the postage. We hope to hear from you right away.